Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you lost a survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to this week's edition of Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and it's been an interesting few weeks watching Wendell since I've met him a few times and never would have thought he'd be portrayed like this mm-hmm. uh with me as always as we're once again on video is the person who was also with me at least a couple times when we hung out with wendell my co-host yeah. jessica lewis hey everyone and i have to agree with that sentiment because yeah wendell's edit and who wendell really is yeah it's really not driving for me so but we'll talk yeah. about that i'm sure that's right we uh you know I, i've got my uh bryce and wendell present <gasps> bracelet here nice. from uh, karaoke very nice and, uh i'm wearing my uh shirt that wendell gave me uh, for, well he gave i i won it in the scavenger hunt uh, that's amazing you know, it's, oh. it says beave on the back you won uh, i didn't even realize you won something yeah yeah i found it in the uh the men's bathroom under the sink or something oh, like i vaguely that remember clue. that that's exciting so, so uh, i don't have very many occasions to wear a shirt that says let's talk about your bed that's true. Um, that is true. I don't know if that's one of the pickup lines he uses when he wants to kick it with someone or, you know, I, I, I you know, not really sure. He could add, let's kick it. Let's talk about yes. it. Then. There yeah. you go. There you <laughs> it's go. It's a new shirt idea, Wendell. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, you know, even though we've literally been at parties with Wendell, mm-hmm. nobody escapes a discussion of how they played. In comparison to the rules I originally wrote back after season one, because that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, once again, those rules do include a couple mentions of Wendell himself. Uh, as always, we'll look at all the non-spoiler information available to us from what we saw on TV, CBS All Access clips and social media, including one tweet that someone posted and then deleted. But I saw first. Uh, <laughs> You're such the a version, yeah, out there. The, the latest version of the rules is available at robhaswebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules, or you can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form. 
Yes, you can. Uh, tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster. Now, I, I pointed to that one, but as we mentioned last week, that's the really big version mm-hmm. that there's it, it's one of a kind. Uh, the smaller version is uh, maybe behind Jessica, if you can right see here. her. I'm not sure how, you know, it's off to the side, so it may yes. not show up. Uh, but um, so, uh, you know, there again, that's at tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2 or as we first mentioned last week, there's now another way to get it in T-shirt form. Yay! And uh, that you can get at Rob Has a Podcast merchandise store. Uh, so you can go. Ah, I'm all entangled. Uh, you can go to robhasawebsite.com or robhasapodcast.com. There's a link to merch uh, up at the top. Uh, you can click on that, uh, sort the store so the new items are first. and these will be right there. Uh, we have both men's and women's t-shirts right now. Yes. It's all very exciting. The poster that you, if you do see in the background, it's 11 by 17. <laughs> so you can put it in a nice frame. It looks wonderful. Obviously that was a little far away for me, but I needed to put it somewhere. So uh, Bl- Bloomberg's is much bigger, clearly, but 11 by 17 looks. Nice. <laughs> I saw that Bloomberg. I saw that look. <laughs> Dirty mind. Anyway, so you should definitely order a poster. Yeah, they look amazing in the frame. And like David said, you can get a quick version of the rules like this. And also the T-shirts are great. So either way, order both. You know, why not have both? That's right. That's right. Uh, So, uh, again, that's uh, tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2 for the poster or the Rob Has a Podcast merchandise store for the T-shirt. Hold on a second here. I. uh, you know, in um, as we're all stuck in the house here, everybody has been baking lots of bread. And so this this banana bread just came out of the oven. We've got Italian herb bread in bread maker. <gasps> oh. um, we had, you know, bread pretzels and uh, homemade pizza dough yesterday. Mm-hmm. Problem is we're running out of yeast. But yeah, listen, I made pretzels yesterday with my kids. We did pretzel knots and Wow. They are so delicious. We did both with salt and then some with uh, cinnamon sugar. Absolutely delicious. But yeah, yeast. I need to go buy more yeast. I have a ton of flour. Really? I made a trade. I made a trade with some people. I baked them cookies. They brought me a bunch of flour. So that was quite fun. Uh, Now I'm going to have to barter for some yeast, I think. Okay. But I can do this. (laughs) I can can definitely do this. But yes, bread is one of my favorite things to make. And the the pretzels are just so much fun, especially with kids. They have a really good time with it. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's nice to hear. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, that's uh, you know that's what we're doing in uh, in in lockdown here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, me too. So so, uh, but anyway, to uh, get back to where we're going here, I predicted last week that Rob or Tyson would win the challenge to return. And pick Tyson out of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Now, who were the final two in the challenge? That would be Rob and Tyson, and Tyson mm-hmm. won. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm actually pretty good at this whole prediction thing. As hey. a matter of fact. Listen, I got to get involved here, okay? Because I'm going to pat myself on the back. If you're going to sit here and pat yourself on the back, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I do believe that Wendell talked about how the Michelle relationship was being overplayed oh, and we'll they get were... to that we'll oh, get well, to I'm that just you saying, can pat you know? yourself on the back then okay, You're, i know okay, okay. just you know but i'm busy there. patting myself on the back mm-hmm. because of those predictions as a matter of fact that part of my prediction was so good we can ignore the rest of the prediction that i made for the week. 
That's and, how it and, works. Yeah, we'll just go back to my prediction from the preview podcast where I said Wendell would make it to the merge and maybe a little after that, but not much more. Turned mm-hmm. out to be exactly zero more. Yeah, that's true. But okay, so I get to pat myself on the back later then? Yes, right. you do. That will do. But yes, the, I do think that we should spend a little bit of time before we talk about Wendell talking about that challenge because I do think that there has been quite an uproar as to what actually happened. Were they really that close? Uh, was it really as close as we saw it uh, edited? And I I don't know. I mean, we have to go by what we're watching. And I don't see how Rob could have had the ball that close if it wasn't actually that close. Because if Tyson was, was winning, if he had just won, they wouldn't have let Rob keep going, right? Right. He would have had to have stopped because Tyson yeah. already won. So... But then there's some question I, I read on Twitter that there might have been two balls and they had to do it twice. But again, I don't I don't think that that was what the challenge consisted of. I could be wrong, but there seemed to be quite a bit of an uproar on social media about that particular challenge. Well, I have completely missed this uproar. You must be following Survivor Conspiracy Twitter. I, I'm and, telling and you. I follow normal Survivor Twitter. <laughs> it just seems to be an, an active discussion. I'll say that it's it's a definitely an active okay. discussion as to whether or not it was actually that close. I think it was. I guess, I guess my go ahead. I guess my question is who cares? Yeah, we know Tyson won. It's not like yeah. it changes anything. I'm not saying who cares to you. I'm saying who cares to the people who are in an uproar, you know, that right. wh- whether it was that close or not. To me, it's does it matter? I mean, Tyson won. He did win. And also the people that were all watching, all the other survivors who were still in the game were reacting to how close it was. Right. So I feel like that's a pretty good read on the fact that it was that close because the people yeah. who were actually there watching it were amazed at how close it was. So right. anyway, I just thought that that was interesting. But yes, impressive job by both of them. Obviously, the tokens helped them incredibly significantly in that challenge. Oh, and it helped yeah. everybody else who had a token for sure. Yeah, which does bring up the question of uh, which uh, we got a tweet uh, shortly before uh, starting to record here saying, please discuss the horrible decision that Natalie and Rob made to use three tokens for an immunity idol that they could only use if they get back in the game. Mm. And anyone who saw my Twitter and saw lots of other people's Twitter too, I can't claim to be the only one already knows how I feel about that, which was you, you can't use the idol unless you get back. Mm-hmm. So put all of your tokens towards getting back. Well, could and they have bought more than one advantage of the from, challenge? From what I understand, they could have bought up to three. That Jeez. was my understanding. And I haven't seen anything contradicting that. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm sure all of Twitter will let me know, hey, you're wrong. But my understanding was that they could buy up to three. And so it made no sense that Rob and Natalie would only buy one and then an immunity idol. I agree. You know, I, I mean, were they overconfident? Um, I, I don't know. But yeah, they should have, everybody should have gone all in, mm. you know? And mm-hmm. uh, as it turns out, Tyson's way of getting those extra calories and the one advantage was the one that won. Yeah. Peanut butter. Peanut butter rules. <laughs> peanut butter worked. I should have had a little jar of peanut butter. Oh, yes. yes, me too. That would have been good. But no, I so. do think that that's an interesting point because really, I and who knows, maybe the thought process was this. Maybe they knew 
I, and I don't know if they knew this or not, that they weren't going to end up getting an, a freebie idol when they get back into the game. Like, that's what happened previously. Nobody seemed to be talking about the fact that Tyson got an idol, so maybe everybody was aware that that wasn't happening. Um, but who knows? I mean, this is all speculation. But as far as Rob's concern, I mean, he's probably thinking, as is Natalie, but more likely Rob, that if he does get back in the game, he's going to be the easy vote, as you described it last week. and immediately voted out again. So in his mind, he's probably thinking, well, I want an advantage. I want to win, but I want to also stay in the game and not be voted out immediately. And so that's the mindset about having an idol with you, but you have to get back in the game to actually use it. So, I mean, if he had had three advantages, my word, what it, what would he have actually done in the challenge? <laughs> Is it just like you get to go immediately to the end and just, <laughs> and just do the snake thing? I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's, that's kind of crazy. Maybe it removes some of the knots or, uh, Something like that. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I, I understand what you're saying about, you know, his thought in terms of if he gets back in, he's worried about getting voted back out. But it's it's kind of like we say when people criticize players for doing things that will get them to the final three. Mm-hmm. You can't win unless you get to the final three. Right. So there's no point in doing things that will mean you're out before the final three. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. Also, you can't worry about getting voted out until you're back in. Mm-hmm. So you got to get back in first. Right. Um, so there's, anyway. There's yeah. another part to this, too, and I don't know if you wanted to go down this path, but people have been discussing Yule and how he didn't have an opportunity to earn a token because he had been in the game the longest. And then comes into this challenge where everybody else has an opportunity to have earned a token and buy tokens for advantages, and he never had an opportunity to do so. So that's, I think, a little problematic as well for the structure of Edge of Extinction and the the fairness of it. I'm using air yeah. quotes there. Yeah, I, I think that there's been already a lot of discussion of that. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously unfair. You know, if yeah. you're if you're the first one out, that doesn't mean you should have the most opportunities to get back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. If anything, it should be the most difficult for you to get back in. Um, but, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, do we really expect Jeff Probst to be as worried about that? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with no. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, lots of people have covered that. Rob covered it. Dalton Ross covered it. Right. And I think in a way, Jeff kind of eh, acknowledged that, yeah, maybe it needs some workshopping, but I don't know how you workshop it exactly. Yeah, I don't uh, know. So, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we, we do have to, uh, you know, talk about Tyson's return, obviously. And, and I know a lot of people are excited that he won and is back in the game. And I am too. But let me just make something clear. Does not change my opinion of Edge of Extinction. Mm-hmm. And it took up one quarter of this week's episode. Yeah. Yeah. That was 15 minutes that could have been spent on understanding more about what was going on in the actual game. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm thrilled Tyson is back. But I, I have seen a lot of people saying this or something else this season has changed their mind about the Edge. And to make it very clear, that will never happen to me. (laughs) Jessica, you could go back and play on a season with the edge and make it back. 
And I wouldn't change my mind. Well, see, for, you know, good to for know. all the reasons we've discussed over over for all the reasons we've discussed over the past seasons. Yeah, I am perfectly capable of celebrating something good happening for Tyson without accepting the horrible twist. Well, and I do think that a big part of the reason why I think there's a shift happening and people are starting to appreciate the edge is because of this cast. These are people that we all know, that we feel invested in, that we've seen play this game. And there's a different type of connection to players who you are truly rooting for because you have seen them in other previous seasons and you've rooted for them before and they were your winner pick or whatever the case may be. And then to have this thrust upon everyone with that cast, I feel like it it takes a little bit of the sting away from Edge of Extinction because... You, you you know these people. You already know their backstory. You already know what kind of player they are. Everybody wants to see these people actually get to play the game. I mean, Rob said it multiple times this episode. Can I, can I interrupt you for a yeah. second, though? Yes, I want to see them get to play the game. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. And so I feel <laughs> like those lines are being blurred because yeah. Rob, had, he talked about how I just want to get to play. And I think that that's what the people watching, the viewers are like, well, I wanted to get you. I wanted to watch you play, too. And so there's there's a little bit of a blurred line thing happening where they're like, well, I don't like the Edge of Extinction, but I like these people a lot. And I would really like for these people to be back in the game. And so I feel like that's why there's a bit of a shift, whereas the last time we saw this, it was with a group of individuals that nobody knew. And so you get voted out third and people are like, oh, well, that's too bad for that person. But that person ends up coming back in the game and you're like, who is this guy? You know? So <laughs> there's a much different mindset. I think when you're seeing people that, you know, and have a different type of investment into their character on the show, I'm just going to say character. Cause I don't really know what right. else you would call it. Right. But, yeah. No, I, 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 I know what people are saying and I just continue to disagree because like I said, I want to see these people playing the game. And I would have liked to see the people who are still there playing for that other 15 minutes. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the type of episode that if you want to add in this edge of extinction component, you need to have a longer episode. Because you, you, you are slicing out a huge chunk of time where we aren't seeing the people who are playing the game play the game. We're seeing people who are not in the game trying to get back in the game. And so, yeah, you're losing that. You're, you're certainly right. affecting what the viewers are seeing in relationship yeah. to the people still in the game. Yeah. Now, uh, one more topic I want to bring up before we get to the rules. I know it's you know been a while here uh, <laughs> is uh, your friend and mine, Adam. Oh, yes. Uh, and I, I tweeted shortly after the episode that I'm starting to feel like Adam is getting the zero vote finalist. Mm. Um, Everybody keeps talking about him as a possible target, and then they choose someone else. Mm -hmm. And it it reminds me a lot of similar edits we've seen uh, recently. Just Angelina is one example. Right. You know, they they talk about them. We're going to vote this person. Oh, then we choose someone else. And at some point soon, it seems like they're all going to switch gears and say, oh, we can beat him at the end because he's been a target the whole time. So we need to take him. Yeah. And. Now, this is particularly interesting in light of the secret scene where Adam says he thinks lots of people believe they would crush him at the finish line. And then he says, good, let them. They thought they could last time and they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know others have had similar reads, such as Rob talking about it on the recap podcast. Uh, but, you know, my read was out there first. It was 18 <laughs> minutes after the episode. I want to point out. Uh, but. 
But, you know, other people are coming back and saying, no, no, it's a winner's edit for Adam. Mm. And I don't see that, but it wouldn't make me unhappy. How are you seeing it right now? I see a much different Adam. And it's it's frustrating because I'll go to his secret scene and, and the comment that he made about how everybody in the last season thought that they could crush him at the end. That's not necessarily true. I think that there were certain people in my season that everyone wanted to sit next to because there was that mindset that this is someone that I could beat in the end. Was Adam one of those people? Depending upon who the other people sitting there was, sure. I mean, if Jay was sitting next to Adam, I think Adam's acknowledged Jay beats him. If David's sitting next to Adam, David beats Adam. You know, so like those... David beats anybody. And that's exactly correct. And so (laughs) it's one of those things that I think everyone in my season was very mindful of. Who do you want to sit next to at the end? And Adam managed to sit next to two people that I think a significant number of the people who made the merge and were still there wanted to sit next to at the end because there was an idea that those two people could be beaten by whoever it was that was sitting next to them. And so I don't think that anyone thought Adam was just going to get crushed on my season. Again, it depended on, on who those three people were. Adam was sitting next to the two people he needed to sit next to in order to win. I mean, that's what it boils down to. And he pulled it off. And that's why I think all of us were impressed because he did sit next to the two people he needed to sit next to. He didn't get blinded by a relationship or by loyalty or by any situation like that. He looked at who was left and said, these are the two people I can beat. These are the two people I need to get to the end with. So he did great doing that. I feel like Adam has gone into this game thinking he needs to prove that his win was was fair and that he should have won. Kind of like Michelle. Yes. I mean, there's that because there's been a lot of talk about we voted for him because we felt bad for him because of his mother, which is not true. I can tell you 100% that is not true. That is not the case. None of us knew about his mother except Jay. We found out in that final tribal, but that did not sway anyone. I mean, we it was just an additional component of Adam. But as far as the game was concerned, I think everyone walked into that final tribal thinking they were going to vote for Adam unless something dynamic happened in that final tribal council. So his win completely deserved. He doesn't need to prove it. But I think because of the response that Adam's win has created makes him feel like he has to prove it. And so he's switched things up. He's doing things a little more aggressively than he did on my season. And he's doing things that people don't like because they're like, oh, that was that was too much. You shouldn't have done that. That was a lot. And, and I just feel like he's trying harder because he feels like he needs to prove that he can play this game. And also, there are people on this season that have talked about how smart he is, how great he is at strategizing. So it's not like he's not being recognized by those other people he's playing with, that he has those components. But unfortunately, I feel like they're doing Adam a disservice with his edit because he is trying to switch up his game, but I think he's switching it up for kind of the wrong reasons. You know, he's trying to prove something he doesn't need to prove. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. Um, I, I think as you were talking, it occurred to me, I think in some ways, Sophie is saving Adam from himself mm. because he kept wanting to like, uh, well, to be Nick and jump into every conversation. Yeah. And Sophie's like, no, you're fine. Calm down. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's uh, it's good that he has Sophie out there with him. And I will say, too, it it was interesting to watch this episode as well, because when we merge. 
Adam fell into the same exact problem right at the merge. When we initially merged, I was the first person that people were targeting. And then after the challenge occurred, I was told by Zeke, okay, they're not voting for you anymore. Now they're voting for Adam. And I was like, what happened? And Adam got targeted because Adam was talking and he threw somebody else's name out there. And then all of a sudden things shifted and he found himself in the same exact situation. And I was that Sophie on my season with Adam telling Adam, you're not getting voted for. Because I think he might have even had an idol at that point. I think he had an idol. And I was like, Adam, you're fine. You don't need to use, like no one's you're going to get some votes probably, but you're not getting voted out. So you like you have to trust us. So it was the same kind of kind of idea going into that merge vote where Adam thought that he was going home on my season. And it was it was so it was very interesting to watch because it was that same Adam. I was seeing that Adam that I played with. So I I find it really frustrating for him because I I do think that Adam is a great player, but I, I do think that the edit is is showing him in a light that nobody saw really Adam before. And it's even cringy for me sometimes watching because I just feel like they're focusing on parts of him that are not actually his entire game right now. I do think that they're really focusing on those moments that they kind of make him look like a goofball or make him look like he's making bad decisions. When really people who are playing the game with him have said he's strategic, he's smart. We got to watch out for him. So it's, it's, it's too bad for him to be watching that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see how he ends up and if my read on the uh, edit is correct or not. Uh, but it occurs to me, you know, I we have uh, done what I uh, yelled at Survivor for doing and have taken up uh, you know, a large <laughs> chunk of time here not talking about Wendell. Sorry, uh, Wendell. So, yeah, so we'd better get on to it. We better move on to the rules. Okay. Uh, Wendell came into Survivor with a reputation for having a great social game. And the last few episodes, speaking of the edit, like you just were, have tried to suggest otherwise. Was that the reason he got the boot or was it something entirely different? Time to figure out why Wendell lost. Now, the first rule, of course, talks about the uh, need to scheme and plot. In his first season, Wendell worked with Dominic and together they pretty much had complete control of the game. Uh, That was not the case this time, though he was part of an alliance that had control of his original tribe. At the swap, He said he really trusted Nick and Michelle. uh, Sorry, at the merge is when he said that uh, quote, but we need more numbers. And he was right. Three is not a majority at the merge. Mm -hmm. I'm actually feeling like Wendell is suffering from what Adam is suffering from. I, I feel like there's a very similar vibe happening with Wendell where he came into this game and he even said it in his pregame interviews how he was going to switch up how he played the game. And he wasn't going to play the game the same way that people saw him play the game previously. And it's really kind of, I mean, it bit him in the backside, really. I mean, he ended up getting voted out. But I I do think that we saw a much different Wendell. But I feel like it's not because he had anything to prove. He just decided, I'm going to play the game differently. Because I think he wanted to avoid what people expected of him. And so he wanted to present a different side of Wendell. And unfortunately, I think that's where that villain edit is coming from. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, he he had clearly done some good scheming and plotting prior to this point. You know, last week, uh, this is you know where you can pat yourself on the back. Uh, I said that if they were both acting, they deserved Emmys. Well, Wendell did that interview with Dalton Ross before we knew he was voted out talking about his game to this point. Mm-hmm. 
or to that point. Uh, and he said he thought he and Michelle were acting like they weren't cool with one another. Uh, actually, no, you can't pat yourself on the back yet. We'll wait till the fifth rule to pat oh, yourself on the back. Oh, come on! You know, you, right it, out of the gate, you're like, pat me on the back because of my predictions, blah, well, yeah. blah, blah. But Jessica, that's you have we to talk wait about till predictions. Five. Mm-hmm. That's right. You have mm-hmm. to, well, you know, that's, that's when it is because... <sighs> I mean, right now I'm just we're just talking about the strategy. Oh, okay. Um, we'll get back so, to me. You know, yeah, okay. <laughs> However much uh, he was acting, it was so he could seem like he wasn't close to Michelle, right? which, you know, was a smart decision. And indeed, the two of them clearly had some sort of deal at that point, because after that episode, uh, not this most recent one, but the previous one, Michelle tweeted, and this is the one that she apparently then deleted. How about we consider when that decision to give Wendell a fire token was made? Are we are we really such sheep to the edit that we believe I just happened to give it to him in good faith without a prior agreement? Probably that whole sheep to the edit thing that made her uh, delete mm. it. But the point is, she, she the point she's making, I, I I think, or was was making, was look, we had some sort of agreement here. There was scheming oh, and plotting sure. going on. Oh my God. And and this is I think that this really encapsulates this idea that they've spent so much time this season talking about those prior relationships. And and I was curious about this, that we've thought it odd all along that CBS is acknowledging that there were alliances that were set up before the game even started, that there were relationships before the game even started. And that this has been openly discussed throughout the season. And I'm curious if the reason why the edit spent so much time on the Michelle Wendell relationship, because they wanted to kind of call them out on this idea that that might not benefit you in the game, just because you have some prior relationship and then you want to bring it into the game and act like it's going to help you. It's actually going to work against you because even Wendell and Michelle were aware of their prior relationship and tried to turn it into a game move by overplaying it, that they don't like each other. And the whole thing with having to apologize in front of Yule, which I'll wait if I have to pat myself on the back later. But, you know, I do think that it's perhaps part of CBS going, see, told you, you know, that they don't always work out for you. I don't know, but I just thought it was interesting that that's the way it's being presented. I feel like it's something more basic than that, which is, ooh, drama. And, and it you could know, very well know. just be drama. And, it, and But yeah. I do think that this is a this is a really good thing for people who want to play this game to, to remember, is that, yes, you can come in with this idea. And we've talked about this before, that mm. a lot of people go into this game thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I want to play this game. And And unfortunately, Michelle and Wendell did the same thing, regarding their relationship, they came into it with this idea that, oh, we're going to overplay the fact that we don't like each other. And it ended up not working out for them. You know, whereas some, I mean, it could have worked out fantastically well, but it clearly didn't. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, perhaps it's better to just go into it going, yeah, we know each other, but who cares? And just leave it alone. Right. Because then you don't shine such a light on it because you're not trying to make people look over there Instead of look over here, if you just acknowledge it and move on, maybe people wouldn't have actually discussed it. And maybe it just would have been forgotten about because honestly, I didn't even know that they even dated. No, I didn't either. So it's it wasn't so. even something that was out there in the world, not like the Poker Alliance, you know, what was on national right. TV. You know, this is not something that was out there for everyone to know. Maybe some of the people who were on the island with them might have known that they dated, but I really think Wendell and Michelle are the ones that presented that information to the people they were playing with. 
Yeah. Yeah. And if we ever want to, uh, you know, look at the effectiveness of pregame alliances, just, uh, you know, Nick was the one who brought up uh, to Gordon Holmes uh, that he had an alliance, a pregame alliance with Ewell and Nick voted Ewell out. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, but, you know, speaking of the (laughs) out of game game relationships, um, you know, Wendell thought that he could use his out of game relationship with Jeremy to get more allies and, Mm -hmm. you know, target those who were in his words, playing a winner's game right now. The thing is that this wasn't exactly the best time to be doing that because among Jeremy's allies were the people calling themselves the lions. Yeah. And they seemingly thought of Wendell as a hyena. Uh, saying that he wanted to target the lions wasn't a good way to get them on his side, even if he wasn't specifically talking about them. And of course he didn't phrase it that way, but he said, I want to go after the people who are playing a winning game. Mm -hmm. Well, those are the people who are banding together and saying, we got to get rid of the other ones. Right. And I do agree that there was a definite disconnect there with Jeremy thought that he was going to be able to be that number two. And realized very quickly he wasn't going to sell anybody on that. And Jeremy knew enough to get away from it. He was like, okay. Right. Like, I, I'm not going to stay on well, that. Eventually. Eventually. After running around. Not, yeah. not immediately, but he at least tried. I mean, he tried to talk to people, right. but I think he realized, okay, that's not happening. That's not the direction that this game is going. So I need to bail. And, and he ended up voting for Wendell. And I think that that was, that whole setup really ended up, I think, causing Wendell's demise in a, in a, really true sense of it because he immediately became a number two, you know, he, all of a sudden he's a pair and he's, you know, and Sophie is noticing this. And I thought it was interesting that Sophie was the one that called out this new group and they were, you know, they were growing it up with each other. And, and I'm, hold on. Let me, let me officially, uh, you've already moved into it. Let me officially say the second rule says not to (laughs) steal and plot too much or too openly. I was just, I was just going right into it. So here's my thought on that. And this, and I don't, again, these are just things that I'm, I'm finding very interesting about the dynamics of this particular group. You have Ben, who is very close to Sophie and very close to Sarah. And then you've got the scene where Ben is talking to Tyson and uh, Jeremy about this idea of banding all of the, the big people together and then taking out, you know, hyenas and all of this stuff. And, and Jeremy is there and he's talking about people like Wendell. But Jeremy, if you notice, I mean, he was talking to Ben. Ben was kind of talking to everybody. And I'm wondering if Ben just went back and shared all this information with Sophie and said, hey, this is what, what's happening. I mean, I feel like Ben is almost being like a double agent and learning mm-hmm. information, sharing it. And so really, unfortunately for Wendell, that relationship with Jeremy ended up really causing him to be targeted because it was kind of this whole weird like mix of information and he he was kind of the one where the it stopped spinning i know we've talked about that before where where does the arrow stop spinning and it ended up stopping on wendell and i think it was just because of that particular relationship and sophie was smart enough to realize we need to put a kibosh on that and ben was sharing all of this information with sophie which was kind of driving that force to get wendell to go home Yeah, I mean, in Wendell's first season, he was, of course, part of a tight duo with Dominic that, quite honestly, never should have worked. Uh, Mm -hmm. In in our Why Wendell One podcast, I noted that being an open power couple should have hurt them. Yeah. Uh, But 
they were working strategically as a single unit. And, uh, ah, uh, <laughs> sorry, my notes just flew all over the place there. Um, <laughs> Um, so they were able to knock down any threats that, that might've divided them. Uh, and it, you know, also helped that the other players in their season didn't follow this second rule and kept spilling secrets that, you know, turned them against each other while Wendell and Dominic just kept moving forward. The thing is, again, that situation was an exception, not the rule since mm -hmm. the rule literally says not to do that. Don't yeah. form duos. A and this time Wendell had at least two situations that caused that one was the Jeremy situation that you were talking about. And the other was Nick. Yeah. I mean, for Jeremy, you know, the two of them pretty much immediately upon getting to the merge looked like they were too close. Uh, you know, Sophie, like you mentioned, wanted Wendell to go out of the Wendell or Nick because yeah, like you said, they were constantly growing out. Uh, she also told Tony, they're like best friends, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And uh, Gordon Holmes, I thought was pretty funny. He tweeted while we watched them goofing off. Uh, remember in pregame when we thought Tyson was lying about Wendell and Jeremy having tickle fights? Uh, <laughs> because that's basically what they were doing. They were standing next to each other, like poking each other yeah. and stuff. You mm -hmm. know, the, the two of them were not doing a great job of hiding the fact that they wanted to work and play together. Yeah. And I think also in on the heels of that is the conversation that Wendell had with Jeremy about his relationship with Nick. He openly acknowledged right. right away. Oh yeah. Nick's my number two. And it wasn't even like he tried to hide it. So I do think that Wendell has come into this game thinking, Oh, I can pull off having a number two. I can, I can pull off a duo because that's what I did before, but these right. are different players. These are people who have played this game for a very long time, multiple times. You know I mean? It, they understand the game more than I think the people that Dominic and Wendell were up against. And yeah. so to sit there and go, oh, yeah, Jeremy, that's my number two. And what was Jeremy's immediate response? I got to vote out Nick because I right. want that spot. Right. I want to be number two. And so it's being in a duo is certainly not going to benefit you if you put it on blast like that. And he did it with Nick, which then caused Nick to be targeted by Jeremy and then caused him to be targeted because he was doing it with Jeremy. So it's this whole yeah. weird cyclical thing that he just, I think, put himself into by forming that relationship so obvious right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. And there's another aspect of the second rule. So we were talking about the, the aspect of the second rule that says don't form a duo. And then he had like two or three. But there's also the part that says don't backstab too soon. And so the question we have to ask is whether Wendell turning on Yule was backstabbing too soon, such that it came back to bite him. Because many people immediately thought that was the case. Uh, you know, Rob said in his ET online column, of course, our Rob Sister Nino, mm -hmm. um, he said, while it did not come up in the episode, I have to imagine there were a lot of questions for Nick and Wendell about why Yule was the player voted out at the tree at the previous tribal council over Michelle. And then that same article, he later noted Sophie would not budge on voting for Wendell. While we didn't see it, Sophie must have pushed her alliance with Kim and Sarah to whip up the votes for Wendell heading to tribal council. Now, if my memory is correct, you had some opinions about this last week. Uh, do you think voting out Yule killed Wendell's chances with his old tribe mates? Well, I think it, it, I'm trying to remember what I said now, because I'll probably say it's something completely different. But just looking at what actually happened this week, I do think that getting rid of Yule when they did certainly 
affected, obviously got voted out, but you know, someone like Sophie who wanted Yule to be her other half and then coming into this merge and seeing that her other half got voted out and who was behind that. And they were all kind of talking about, well, what happened with this vote? We didn't hear them Mm -hmm. talk about the Yule vote, but I'm sure they did talk about it. And if she has it in her head that, oh, well, this guy took out Yule, which gives him a resume. And also that was my guy. Now I want to get back at him because he's really negatively affected the alliance that we had created back at the beginning of the game. So I do think that that probably bit them both in the backside because you know, obviously it got Wendell voted out. But I think Sophie is like the silent assassin. You know, <laughs> She's like, you take out mine, I'm taking you out. And she pulled it off beautifully, even though we didn't see that much of it happening. It clearly she felt very comfortable going into that vote and felt like she had everybody on lock. So there had to have been a lot of discussions that we just didn't see. Yeah. Last week, I didn't know if it would be a big deal. I I do think it turned out to be at least a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. I I wish we had seen some indication on the show that Sophie was pushing for Wendell in part because of the Yule vote, but no, we had to have 15 minutes taken up, you know, but, um, uh, you know, the most we saw was her turning to Sarah and saying, how, when the tribe walked in without Yule Mm -hmm. at that return challenge, maybe the editors thought giving us more would make it too obvious because we know they care more about keeping us guessing than about making a coherent story these days. (laughs) But anyway, uh, you know, I do know that some people will say, well, wait a minute. Yule was targeting Wendell, so Wendell had to fight back. From what we saw, that was true, but a lot of that happened because Yule lost faith in Wendell, and Wendell was all too happy to turn on him at that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, even, even if it really had been Yule targeting Wendell 100%, I feel like Sophie would not necessarily believe that Yule had suddenly turned on him for no reason. Yeah. No, and I do think that this goes back to that Wendell wanting to play a different type of game this time because one of Ewell's issues with Wendell was his the the trash talking and really kind of being a little aggressive in tribal councils. And I feel like Ewell was very concerned with kind of the risks that Wendell was taking and the conversations that Wendell was openly having at tribal council and that that wasn't going to benefit Ewell's gameplay and the style that he wanted to play. And so I do think that Wendell put himself in a very bad position with Yule because he, again, wanted to switch up how he was playing his game. Yule was playing a very similar type Yule game. We talked about that when Yule went home. So it is interesting just to see how previous players come into a, a new season wanting to switch things up and it ends up working against them instead of for them. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're back. So let's get back to the show. So we can move on to the third rule here, which talks about being flexible. How do you think Wendell did here? Uh, I'm frustrated with him on this one because I do think that even though he was keeping his options open as far as wanting to form a relationship with Jeremy, he had Nick and he had Michelle, but I feel like he put so much stock into his relationship with Nick and Michelle and was kind of blinded by that moving into the merge thinking, okay, I've got these two and this is great. And now I'm going to get Jeremy and this is going to be even better because I'll have more numbers. He was really set in this idea. And we've already talked about it a lot of having that duo of having that person instead of thinking maybe having that person is not going to work for me as much as I'd like it to. So I don't think that he was as flexible as he needed to be. And I also want to go back to poverty because I feel like that's another indication that even though he was acting like he was going to take her up on this idea with the tokens and that they were going to make a trade for a vote. He really, and in his interview, he talked about this, how Harvardy and he talked and he shared a lot of information with her and then she didn't share a lot of information with him. And I feel like at that point, he just said, okay, that's it. I'm done. Instead of continuing to try to have that conversation, because he did say, well, she's got tokens. He found out later she had the idle nullifier. Sometimes you can't just put up a wall. You have to say, all right, well, maybe she's not willing to share information with me, but maybe I need to keep trying to hone this. And that was the Wendell we saw before where he was better at creating those relationships and having those individual conversations with people. Whereas I feel like with poverty, it just, he shut it down immediately. And then that was it. She had no interest in then talking to him further because he kind of shut her down. So. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to, in his defense, he was in the majority, this person from the minority who should have been sucking up to him. Um, instead put up a wall and didn't tell him anything. Mm -hmm. I think in that situation, I'd have probably done the same thing as him. Like, okay, goodbye. You're done. Right. And I, you know, I don't discount that decision, but I feel like the, the mechanism in which he, he, I don't know the way that it came about, it ended up not being a good look for him because here we are at tribal council and he's openly talking about how there was this deal and he didn't present it as, listen, she and I were talking and tokens got brought up. And so there was some discussion about, you know, could we do something with these tokens? Instead, he came across as being aggressive and um, and and like backstabbing Yule and Nick because they neither one of them knew that this conversation had occurred. So it ended up being a bad look for him. And I think he could have utilized it differently to his benefit as opposed to what we ended up seeing happen with it. Yeah, I think he probably expected Ewell and Nick to understand that he was just like, he was done with her. Mm. And it was just like, well, fine, fine. You want to work with me? Give me, give me two fire tokens. Fine. Yeah. You know, knowing that she wasn't going to do that. Um, but uh, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, the one place where Wendell is mentioned in the rules is it, it says Dominic and Wendell's greatest strength was their ability to build multiple trusting relationships across factions and coordinate as needed, which it, it's funny, you know, right after we're talking about how that didn't happen with Parvati. Mm -hmm. I, 
I, but going forward, I do think Wendell was being flexible by trying to have several different options again, including Nick, Michelle, and Jeremy. The problem was that he cut off part of that flexibility in voting out Ewell. And, and I don't think he and Nick realized how much that could come back to bite them with Sophie and others. Mm-hmm. You know, last week we talked about Nick thinking that staying with Ewell would give them less flexibility. But it turns out that wasn't the case. You know, we talked about Yule being a hub, but taking out that hub removed the ability of Nick and Wendell to reconnect with their original spokes Yeah, rather than making them into the hubs that they wanted to be. Right. And I think that that's a great point, because if you look at the dynamics of that particular alliance, Yule really was the one that was able to speak to everyone. And so Sophie might not have had a great relationship with Wendell. But she had a good relationship with him by proxy, basically, because, oh, we've got mm-hmm. this common denominator. And so I can talk to you all. You all can talk to Wendell. We can all kind of come together as a cohesive group. So I do think that by removing that, it certainly was to his detriment and also to Nick's detriment, because sometimes you do need that common force. You know, you need that person that everybody can kind of go to because a couple of reasons. It keeps the target off of you because you're not the one in charge. You know, you're not the one kind of running the show. And then also allows you to get more information from more people because you have more feelers out there and you have more connections with people. And Wendell really did cut off a lot of those connections by making that determination and voting out Yule. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving to the fourth rule, it tells players not to let their emotions control them. Now, if we look back to the question I asked in the second rule about, you know, was it wrong to vote out Yule? We have to ask if Wendell let his. I don't know, friendship, kicking it ship, whatever, whatever <laughs> ship it was with Michelle, uh, you know, get get the better of him. And that's why he turned on Yule rather than voting out the more obvious target of Michelle. Uh, he did say this week, Michelle is the one I have the most rapport with. And it certainly seems like they're still friends. But as I as I said last week, you know, yeah, there's a bond there. And it, it seems like he thought that bond could get him for far. Yeah. And I this is my concern with this whole pregame alliance relationships and people having ideas of how that's going to come into the game. Of course, you want to believe that the person you have this prior bond with, that you have this special connection with is going to benefit you in the game. But if you realize it's not then at some point you have to cut your losses and say, OK, well, I mean, look at what Denise did. And I know it's completely different. Because Ian Adam didn't have a pregame alliance. They didn't know each other before the game started. They were an alliance from day one. But Denise was like, you're my alliance now. That doesn't mean you're my alliance on day 39. So she's recognizing this flow, this flow that has come into the game and that sometimes you just have to cut your losses. And she realized at that point, I might have to cut my losses with Adam. And I don't think Wendell did the same thing because he was, I think, really kind of lost in his own head about how we have this relationship, but we're going to flip the script and make it look like we're not actually as close as everybody thinks we are and make a show of it. And I think the game got lost in that show because a lot of what we heard him saying to her, the interactions that were taking place just seemed too much. It was, it wasn't necessary when the, the whole conversation that Ewell was present for happened, it was cringy and uncomfortable and it didn't, it didn't help his game at all. If anything, it just made it 
uncomfortable to be around these two people, you know? So it's like, all right, well, maybe somebody needs to go because this is not, this is not jiving very well. And this is affecting the tribe flow and it might affect how we can do our challenges. And so I do think that that component of his game really, it just affected everything across the board. Instead of it helping, it was a huge hindrance. Yeah. All right. Well, now we can move on to the fifth rule. Hold off. Hold off. Don't cut yourself yet. Uh, it's all about the social game. It reminds players to pretend to be nice. I feel like Wendell did a lot of pretending, but in both directions. Sometimes mm. he pretended to be nice. Sometimes he pretended to be mean. The reason I mentioned the nice part is that Jeremy asked Wendell who he didn't like. And Wendell said, Sophie, but I'm cool with her. So besides the fact that it, he turned out not to be cool with her. Uh, he was apparently putting on a happy face on the flip side, of course, was the way he was acting toward Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I will pat myself on the back now because I said yeah, this. I did say last week that I thought that Here, they I'll, were I'll reach through the screen. <laughs> and, and that they were they were overdoing it. And I it it just it was a bad I didn't I mean, I know you said they should get an award for their acting, but it didn't make sense. You know, it was it was really. I think I, it felt forced. And that conversation with Yule, I think, is really where it, it took a turn because Yule had a very similar conversation with Wendell. Yeah. And Wendell seemed to receive it well. He seemed to understand it. And I know, you know, facial expressions were saying otherwise, but his response was one that you would expect someone on Survivor to make. Like, all right, I'm listening to you. I understand. Yep. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize because he's in an alliance with this guy. And then having the same conversation with Michelle, he's suddenly all offended and gets angry and and walks away and it gets all weird. And then Ewell has to talk to Michelle. So I don't know how he and Michelle thought that this was going to help their game. And then to hear Wendell's thoughts about things that Michelle was saying. And he acknowledged, you didn't see my half. You know, you didn't see me talking about our relationship. You didn't see me talking about her. But she apparently said a lot of things about him, about their relationship and how she, I don't even remember what the word was. She like, not that she hurt him, but she did him dirty or something. I mean, there was some, it sounded. It was the other way around. He did her dirty. That's what I mean. Like he did her dirty. But it was, it was something, obviously it didn't sound like it ended well, you know? And unfortunately I feel like it backfired for him. I feel like Michelle might have recognized that this isn't working out the way that they want it to. And she was trying to distance herself from him. But at the same time, I just feel like they got caught up in this show that they were going to put on thinking that it was going to further their games. And it really it didn't help either of them at all. It really didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he told Dalton Ross, of course, like we mentioned, that they were acting like there was tension between them, but they were actually locked in. Now, from his standpoint, I'm going to take it at face value, because from his perspective, that makes sense. The thing is, it doesn't really explain Michelle's confessionals, which make me believe they weren't nearly as not locked in as he thought they were, at least when they were on the swap tribe. Mm. Uh, you know, last last week you pointed out, I said if they were both acting, they deserved en- Emmys. I think he may have been the only one in the Actors Guild there. Mm. No, it's, it's you know, very I, I think possible. He may have been acting like there was tension and she was acting that way because there really was tension. Yeah. And I, and I feel like it's one of those situations where if she already felt a little off with him, then Mm -hmm. to have him being that way to her, 
was probably causing her to feel more anxious about it and wondering, well, maybe there's some truth here. You know, maybe he really does feel yeah. hurt and feel like, you know, think there's a, an issue between he and I. She was talking to Parvati about it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious if there was, if it was starting to hit home a little bit, maybe it felt a little too real for her, which if they hadn't gone down that path, maybe they would have avoided all of it and like just right. openly acknowledge if they even had to. Yeah. So we knew each other. So we hung out a little bit. I mean, whatever. Again, like we had already talked about, I had no idea that they had dated and we've hung out with both of them and it was never anything on social media that I saw a whole lot of. So it wasn't a really well-known thing and to shine a light on it when you don't have to probably wasn't the best decision for them to both make. Yeah. I, I do wonder if you know how sometimes two people will be in an alliance and one will say to the other, okay, we saw this last season. I'm going to pretend to hate you. Mm-hmm. And then in public, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Eventually the, the person who's being hated starts to think, well, is this really pretend? Yeah. You know, it was like the, the Missy Karishma situation last yes, season. For sure. Um, you know, and, and I wonder if that's similar here where Michelle, you know, Wendell is thinking I'm acting. Mm-hmm. And Michelle is like, whoa, what is going on with him? Because, you know, Wendell even acknowledged they sounded bad when talking to her, but he felt he could be direct with her like he was with Dominic instead of sugarcoating things. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know. I, I think it went being, it went beyond being just direct with her. Yeah. But now that we've spent, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, however, been talking about this, here's my wrap up. None of it mattered. Mm-hmm. None of it mattered in the, the point of why he lost because nobody who voted him out was there when it happened. Right. The only three people who were there were him, Nick and Michelle, and they were the only tight group that stayed together in, you know, to, you know, support Wendell here. Right. So it wasn't like Michelle turned on him. Um, It's just, you know, we analyze everything, of course, but yeah, I mean, it, it it didn't matter. That part simply didn't matter for why he lost. Now, one thing that maybe did matter was that Jeff Probst said on his weekly recap that he thought Wendell had a little swagger this season, stemming from being so well-liked his first time, and it worked against him. He told Dalton Ross that Wendell started off a bit cocky, which may have cost him with Michelle and Parvati. I think he's wrong about that part, the Michelle and Parvati part. Um, but you know, uh, Jeff also said, we saw the old likable, funny, charming Wendell, the ones that, you know, you and I have met, mm-hmm. uh, at the merge. And so again, whatever happened or didn't happen with Parvati and Michelle just didn't matter at the end. So I, I also have to question whether his so-called swagger was part of the reason of his downfall. I, I don't know. I think when it, you know, kind of go around this complete circle here. I just don't think so. Well, and I think it's probably one of those situations that just it builds upon itself. So he might have this dynamic with Michelle and has been creating this dynamic then with Nick because of what's happening with Michelle. And then he comes into the merge still having that same kind of air about him. And it might just be something that, although it might not have directly affected things, it might have affected the way that he presented himself to people. And it might have affected the way that he presented conversations about Michelle or Nick, you know, when he was talking to Jeremy. And it it could have just affected 
his game as a whole of just how he came across. So it might not have had a direct effect because those people weren't with him when that all came out and when it was all discussed and, and, you know, Yule was gone at that point. And so no one's really talking about the issues with Michelle and Wendell, but if it's, if there is the swagger as Jeff is talking about, and that's what he came into the merge having, maybe that came from his feeling like he was in control of Michelle and he felt like he was in control of Nick and then coming into the merge feeling like he could be in control of those two people. And now I'm going to bring Jeremy in and that can kind of transcend a group. And so if, if that's the air that you're putting out there for people to, to see, then that might be one of the reasons why they were like, well, Wendell, we got to take him down a few notches. Let's vote for Wendell because that's not the Wendell that we did see in his other season. I mean, he seemed much more of the laid back, charismatic, just kind of talking to people, having good conversations, being very likable. And I do think that we're just seeing a much different Wendell this season who is kind of stepping up and, and putting yeah. himself out there to be noticed. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying and it's possible. I'm still going to, I'm still going to go with it ended up not mattering. But, Maybe it will matter yeah, in the final three. It could. It could. <laughs> so I'm saying, you know, maybe that's yeah, why they've spent so right. much time on it. Maybe it will uh, matter. I still, I still go back to drama. Uh, <laughs> but. So uh, we can move on to the sixth rule, which says not to be too much of a threat. Now, in our preview podcast, we talked about how the less threatening players might get seen as bigger threats because the more threatening players know less threatening players tend to win seasons like this. Yes. Got that? Yes. Uh, and in this case, they were also voting out more threatening players pre-merge, as we saw and have talked about. I mean, how many times in a row did we move this rule to the first thing we discussed? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it came back to the whole lions and hyenas situation, or as we called it pregame, the most threatening, least threatening. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Wendell was seen as not being a big threat right now, which could have made him a bigger threat later, which made him someone the bigger threats now wanted to get out before he could become a bigger threat later. Yes. <laughs> That is a great explanation. And then you add on top of that, his relationship with Jeremy and how that right. can become a threat to people as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's this layered effect that's happening, that's happening here as far as your threat level increasing and decreasing and shifting as you get closer to that final three. And I think Wendell was one of those individuals that he fit a lot of those um, points, you know, where he could have become a threat later. He's got a relationship now here that could be threatening. And so that's going to elevate him. And, you know, and it, and I do think that this idea of the ripple effect, I thought that was interesting too, of which, which vote out is going to have a ripple effect and which one isn't. Right. And I honestly think Sophie wanted a ripple effect because I think she wanted to send a message to Jeremy, like, yeah, step back a little bit. You and your, <laughs> your ideas here are not going to be running this game. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why he was chosen out of everybody who was on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now the seventh rule covers idols and advantages. And in his original season, I, I believe he created several fake immunity idols, mm -hmm. but we haven't heard a peep about activities like that this time. He did, however, work on several fire token negotiations. Uh, first, you know, of course, we talked about he was trying to get Parvati to give him a couple supposedly for his vote. Uh, then he got one from Michelle, which we discussed in the first rule. But 
again, I don't think any of that really counted for or against him when it came to this particular vote, since the only people who were there when it happened were also the only people who voted for him in this tribal council or right. voted with him in this mm-hmm. tribal council. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I do think that that is that is a fair assessment because, it, I mean, mm-hmm. nobody saw all of those weird discussions right. and poverty is at edge of extinction. So, yeah, it, again, maybe it'll come up later <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we could go on to Appendix A, which is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting. We talked a lot about Sophie already, and we need to circle back to her again. It seems like a number of people on the tribe wanted either Wendell or Nick to go, but few had strong opinions. There were lots of people going, Wendell or Nick, Wendell or Nick. Jeremy, of course, pushed for Nick, and some seemed willing to go along with it, uh, in part because, oh, there was someone with an opinion. Okay. <laughs> Until Sophie pushed back and pointed out exactly why Jeremy would want to keep Wendell. It seems like that sent all the dominoes falling in Mm -hmm. the Wendell direction. Jeremy went around to just about everybody to try to get the vote changed to Adam. But we've seen before that once a vote is set in everyone's minds, it's hard to change. People may say they're okay with a change if everyone else is. But then you have to demonstrate that, well, everyone else is okay. And, And you have to get everyone back together and on the same page again and so on. And all of that's hard to do. Mm hmm. Sophie had good reasons for wanting Wendell out, and I agree that it was in her best interest for her end goals, with the same being true for many of the other players. Yeah, for sure. And I do think that this was an interesting thing to watch kind of unfold and the discussions that were had at Tribal Council about the conversations that were had and that they it could just be, you know, in passing. And and Tony was talking about that's the direction that the tide is going. And so that's the, the, the way that you want to keep yourself going as well. So I do think a lot of this was kind of a I don't want to shine a light on myself right now. I don't want to be the person that's necessarily having an opinion, as you said, and calling the shots. And if everybody is kind of behind this then I'm going to do the same thing. Jeremy realized, okay, I'm not, I can't save him. And my game is not worth saving Wendell. So I'm going to get on and, and vote where everybody else is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Michelle and Nick were left out of the fold, obviously, because they were so close to Wendell. So I do think that this was an interesting merge vote because it is something that a lot of people got behind, but I think a lot of people got behind because nobody wanted to necessarily draw the attention in their direction. So if it's over here, well, that's where I'm going to go with it. Okay, well, it is about time to wrap things up. So what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts on Wendell. I have to go back to an interview that he actually conducted before the season even started. And I thought that this was interesting to hear him say this and kind of in retrospect, like look at it now with what we've seen. Excuse me. He was asked, how will you play differently than you did in your past season? Last time I was playing for a lot of people back home, I wanted to play it safe to represent well for my family, community, and loved ones back home. I wanted to leave something my little cousins and my niece and nephew could see and be proud. They have that. I did that. This time, I want to loosen up a bit and have some fun out there. Backstab a little bit and talk even more trash. Shoot at some big dogs and pull some tricks out. Maybe even do some things that are out of character. Let's see who's out here and I'll really play the game. And so I thought that was really interesting because he actually 
described exactly what he did. And that was before the season even started. That was just an interview that he did before he even went out there. And I do think that that was part of Wendell's problem this season is that he went into this game wanting to play differently than what people expected. We all loved Wendell when he played previously, and I still love Wendell. But he wanted to switch things up. And I think perhaps the season, you know, the theme was something that was probably twirling in his brain, thinking, okay, I'm going to be playing with winners. And if I'm playing with winners, I need to step up my game. They've already seen how I play. I need to play a little stronger. I thought the trash talk was interesting because we did <laughs> we did see that moment in his season when he talked about Chris Noble and his inability to rap. And people really appreciated the Wendell trash talk when it was just one-on-one with the camera. So maybe Wendell thought people would appreciate more trash talk directly. I don't know. But I do think that Wendell's hope to present a different side of Wendell and play in this game and play it a little bit differently didn't work as well for him as it might have worked for other people. And I think Sarah Lacina is a good person that we can use this contrast with. She completely switched up her game when she came in and played the second time, and it worked for her. For Wendell, it didn't work. I think what Wendell ended up doing was putting a target on himself, a light that didn't need to be shining on him. And he ended up, even though he had relationships that he was creating, he had people that he thought he was a solid number two with. He didn't change the things about his game that he should have changed. He shouldn't have tried to have a number two. We've already talked about that. So having a number two, it's not going to work in your, to your benefit. It worked in his, for him in his last game. It certainly didn't help him this game. And so I do think that Wendell's focus on what do I need to change about my game should have been something like, I don't want to have a number two like I had before. I need to make myself more willing to play with a lot of people, be a little more flexible and keep my options open as opposed to locking himself in with a number two. And then instead of this trash talking swagger kind of Wendell that we saw, maybe he should have just stuck with the furniture making Wendell that everybody knew and loved. And he made the furniture, but unfortunately, he he lost that social component of himself that everybody loved so much when we watched him in his first season. And so I do think that the villain edit, though it's upsetting to people, it makes sense with the way Wendell was playing this game. And Wendell came in and made a decision that he wanted to play that way, and he did. And unfortunately, that's not the Wendell that people knew. And I think that that caused some distrust, and it caused concern for the people playing the game with him. And unfortunately, even though he was building furniture, he wasn't building relationships. So that, to me, is why Wendell lost. He he did uh, build the death swing. I know he did that swing. <laughs> Everybody who sits there pre-trial, tribal council goes home. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, now, what I just saw, were you looking at your phone yes. for notes? Yes. Instead of good old pen and paper? No, look, I have paper too. <laughs> Okay, I, I just, I, I mean, oh my gosh. No, so, uh, both. <laughs> oh, okay. We're moving you there slowly. <laughs> I keep my options open, okay? I'm being all very right. flexible, well, you're flexible in yes. how I keep my notes, all right? Yes. All right, well, yeah, Wendell won his season in large part through working so well with a tight duo. You, you referenced that. But a bunch of winners are not going to let that happen again. Coming into the merge, Wendell already had at least two partnerships with Nick and Michelle, and then he was he was gunning for a third with Jeremy. This was, of course, after they had turned on Yule, showing his other former allies that he might not be the best person to partner with. 
While that was going on, a pride of lions was gathering to protect the people who consider themselves to be the biggest threats. They didn't want those hyenas running around, and Wendell was considered among the scavengers, though Jeremy tried to elevate him. It seems like all that did was to emphasize what some people like Sophie were already saying. Jeremy wanted to have Wendell as a partner, and that wouldn't benefit any of the others. Over the past few episodes uh, prior, we had seen what I jokingly called evil Wendell on our screens. That's what I was calling him on Twitter. But that wasn't any part of what caused him to get voted out because nobody who voted for him was there when that was going on. Wendell was back to his usual self, being friendly and fun. The problem was he was too friendly with two other players, Nick and especially Jeremy. He might have been among the less threatening players, according to some of the Lions, but he had become elevated to the most threatening, least threatening. Nobody was going to let him form another duo or two and plow his way to the end, especially after he broke one alliance already. He had two duos too many. And that is why Wendell lost. Ta-da! <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to our predictions, I do want to remind everyone that the rules we just discussed are now both available in poster mm-hmm. and t-shirt. Yes. Uh, and uh, so for the shirt, go to robhaswebsite.com or robhaspodcast.com, click the merch link, and then sort to see newer items first. For the poster, go to tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. And if you are outside of the United States, I know I say this every oh, time, yes. but I, I need to because we just sold another poster to an individual who is overseas. So if you are interested in, in getting one and you can't order through eBay, you can contact me directly through my DMs and my Twitter account, and I will work out all the particulars with you. So don't That's hesitate. For posters to do that. only. Posters only. Posters only. Yes. Don't hesitate. Don't, we don't have the same. We don't have the same problem with the with the right. uh, Rob has podcast right. store. Just the posters. So, all right. Uh, predictions. Last week, I said I thought the edge returnee would be immediately targeted, mm-hmm. but we didn't even hear his name mentioned. Ah, and I do believe uh, I told you that that wasn't going to happen. Hmm. What did you say was going to happen? I said that uh, Tony was going to get voted out. Okay, so yeah, you try patting yourself on the back <laughs> for that one. Uh, I did say it wasn't going to be that simple. I said it is not going to be whoever returns. Okay, uh, I, yeah, I mean. You stretch it sometimes when you want to pat yourself on the back. So I never same. stretch. I never stretch. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, now, it doesn't mean things won't change this week, but I think Tyson is safe for the time being. As Tony said, the dynamics of the game and the players have changed, so Tyson is not a target. Mm -hmm. The people who voted him out, or at least pushed to get him voted out, are gone. And the people who others were worried about him aligning with are also mostly gone. I think Kim's the only one left. So he has a new lease on life. Uh, the, The previews suggest the obvious result related to Nick and Michelle being, you know, the only two left out of the vote. We saw Nick saying he wants revenge, and he he seems to want to go after Sarah. And then we see Sarah looking mad. And then Adam oddly seems scared for Nick, which makes no sense because they were on the opposite side last time. So that that whole preview was just a cluster. Um, if if we follow Hubicki's law, that means Nick is completely safe because the commercial focused on him. And I do think part of the target is off of Nick because people wanted to split up him and Wendell. They got rid of Wendell. So do you really need? To get rid of Nick, too. 
but then another target would need to step up unless they already have. Because remember all the talk this week about Denise and her queen killing only to have Denise win immunity. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking there will still be a target on her from the so-called lions and she won't win immunity this week. I'm predicting your winner pick gets voted out next. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, that's (sighs) no, don't make my predictions based on what you or I like. I know, but here's the thing. Um, We've seen that happen a lot, though, where someone goes from being the target and then the following week they're like forgotten about, you know, they get talked Mm -hmm. about this week and then they get forgotten about the next week. And also she's got a token. I don't know how many tokens she has now, but she definitely got one for immunity. She was given a token. I at least did someone give her a token. Someone gave her a token. She at least had one token because she was supposed to pay Sandra too. And then, oh, Sandra wasn't there to get the second one. Yes. So, so yes, she definitely has at least two tokens. She might even have three. I don't. So I don't know how much an immunity. If you can, can you buy that? Can you buy an idol at this I point? Don't think you can buy an idol. I don't remember what's on the. I remember the looking at the. Uh, hold on. I, hold on. You keep talking. Okay. So my thought is this. If we are listening to what Tony said in the uh, tribal council, which I think is very, it's kind of a prevalent theme right now is everyone wants to be on the, in the correct tide. You know, everybody wants to be going in the right direction. And if everyone is going in the direction of, you know, this hyenas versus lions thing, and they don't want to be the target of it. I think it is easier to focus your attention on those people who have separated themselves. And I, I know Hubicki's law. And if you are the person who is the focal point of the commercial or the preview, that means you're not going home. But I think the way that the dynamics are right now, there's no reason to switch over and start targeting someone from that larger group when you've got two people over here who are completely on the outs. And that's Nick and Michelle. And then you've got Nick who all of a sudden is like, I want revenge and I'm going to go after people. And I put a lot of faith in Sarah and Sophie because I think they are incredible players. And I really do think that they will be able to pull things off. And I don't think that they necessarily want to see Denise get voted out because Denise, I think is someone that they could, even though we haven't seen much interaction with them, I do think that she's someone that they would want to keep around. I feel like Jeremy would think the same thing because he was hoping to have Wendell be his number two and he doesn't have that. So Denise might be the person that he's going to be looking towards for that. So I think Denise might have enough people kind of around her to protect her a little bit. I do think that it is going to be an easier vote. And I I think Nick is putting himself out there and putting himself in in a bad spot. And I do think it is going to be Nick. Okay. I just don't know uh, to who's going to your... rally for oh. him. I really don't. Right. No, that's true. That is true. Uh, to answer the question, uh, thanks to Jeff Pittman of True Dork Times. Nice. Uh, he he screenshot the uh, the menu, which is funny because um, uh, Tony said, "Oh, the prices have gone up," but when you actually compare them side by side, the prices haven't gone up <laughs> uh, for the things that are on both menus. Nice. Um, uh, but the, the only strategic things are steal someone's spot on a reward is three tokens, which would be a horrible thing to spend your tokens yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. That's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And then uh, send personal note to any player on the edge of extinction, two tokens. 
um, which I guess you Vote can use. Vote for me as in the final three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. What are these like love notes? This is so weird. Yeah. And then there's uh, food, you know, beans or rice, and then uh, comfort, pillows and blankets or a tarp. All right. Well, there is still the possibility. So no okay. But we have mm. to remember the people that are on edge can right. sell things to people in the game. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not like Denise has anybody over there right now that would really have her back. But who knows? I mean, we've we've seen some strange things sent to people and purchases being made. And even the person yes. on the receiving end is confused. Like, why did I get this? <laughs> did this come yeah. from so-and-so? I don't know. So I, I just, I feel like Nick should be, the response, and again, I I'm just, I'm reading into it maybe too much, but I feel like mm-hmm. Nick's response to this vote should be, oh, crap, I need to step back and I need to check myself and figure out where I went wrong. And how do I ingratiate myself with these people again, as opposed to alienating myself further? And his response is going to be alienating himself further. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it is the obvious outcome. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, sometimes they do violate Hubicki's law and actually give us a preview with the obvious outcome. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? All right. So as we wrap up here, I want to encourage people to check out the RJP patron program at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Rob just announced that for every patron who joins now, he's donating their April subscription to an organization that provides personal protective equipment to doctors and nurses. And he is matching that donation. So if you've been thinking about joining as a patron, now is definitely the time. Once you join, you'll see that Rob does at least nine patron-only call-in shows a month, plus a weekly question and answer show with Nicole. Uh, Additionally, several of the regular podcasts have been live streaming early to the patrons. On top of that, there are discounts and first access to live show tickets when we can all leave our houses again. in, in the meantime, there are the Facebook groups to keep you occupied with a great community of people, including both of us. Uh, you could talk about Survivor, Big Brother, life in general, mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of conversations. So remember, again, to go to robhaswebsite.com slash patron. And once you get to the Facebook groups, make sure to say hello. Yes. And I will say Rob is just killing it with the podcast. I mean, there are so many options and so many things available to people that it is a great group to become a part of. For all of the reasons you've already said, but also if you just want to feel like a sense of community, this is a wonderful community to become a part of because it's everybody who loves the same stuff you love. And so you can have an opportunity to join in discussions about it, especially now you're going to have a chance to really feel like you're part of something instead of just sitting in your living room. <laughs> it's a crazy idea, yeah. but it's definitely a great thing to do. And you should also follow myself and David on Twitter. I am at Jessica Lewis 89 and he is at David Bloomberg. And we do live tweeting during the actual Survivor episode. So spoiler alert there. Uh, But it's a great time to be involved in the discussion. We will continue to have discussions throughout the week. And David posts a lot of wonderful things (laughs) that are outside of the world of Survivor. So you should definitely check that out. It's very entertaining. So I'm at Jessica Lewis 89 and he is at David Bloomberg. All right. Uh, We need a hashtag here. I have uh, two possibilities. Oh, I like it. Let's hear it. Um, Okay, two duos too many mm-hmm. or kicking it ship. <laughs> Problem is, I have no idea how to spell kicking it ship. You better figure that out because I like kicking it ship. You like kicking it ship? Uh, so I would say K I K I K I C 
K I N Kicken I T Ship S H I P. So anyone who can spell that and hashtag it, kicking it ship. I love it. Kicking it ship. That's good. Of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall, which is YXLost. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to all of the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, we are also on the reality TV rehab ups feed in both places. You can find all the great content that Jessica was just talking about. The know-it-alls, the wiggle room, the B and B this week in survivor and more. I, I don't know. There's more and more podcasts than ever. It's insane. Uh, yeah. And we should also thank Scott St. Pierre, who does all of the editing on this wonderful thing that we've put together. Now. <laughs> doing the video stuff is a little bit different. We appreciate everyone for having our back uh, and supporting us and doing the, the video podcasting. But yes, yeah, so thank you, Scott, for all of the editing that you do and also the technological help that you provide us because we usually have a lot of questions. So thank you for that. And also thanks to Will from America for the theme song. It is absolutely incredible. I know you don't hear it on the live podcast or whatever this is called, the video podcast. The video. You would hear it on the audio podcast, but still, thank you so much. It's an incredible song. And thanks, David, for another week of here, me sitting in my basement, getting to hang out with David Bloomberg. So thank you. That's right. And and thank you for another great week. Um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, um, you know, this is, this is, uh, a good way to, uh, you know, hopefully take everyone's minds off a little bit for, uh, what's going on. Yes, for sure. Uh, so I will see you again next week. Excellent. Yay. Bye. 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 This is why blank lost. And this is why blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why blank lost. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.